connected, more empowered relationship with the Holy Spirit than maybe we, we currently have. So for the next couple of weeks, we're just going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, the meaning of Pentecost, it, it, I'm going to spend a little bit of time here, um, but Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And I think there's something really powerful that God wants us to connect between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And oftentimes as Christians, you know, we're New Testament. Okay, that's a big deal around here, right? Come on. All right, let's go. Here we go. The Holy Spirit, come for me. I'm going to talk about five things that we can be praying for when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Five things that we can be praying for and focused on over the next few days leading up to next week. John 14, 16, again, this is Jesus, and he says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He comes to comfort us. And how many of you know that's review? Raise your hand if that's review for you. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He says this in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I ask myself this question. Jesus is wanting to give a peace to us and the world has got a peace for us. But Jesus is giving a different kind of peace. What's so different about the peace that Jesus gives versus the peace that the world gives is the question I asked of this passage this week. The world gives temporal and external peace. It's temporary and it's on the outside. I'll give you an example. Um, how many of you have experienced a summer in Sacramento before? You know what I'm talking about, like 105 for a couple weeks. We went camping, uh, not last summer because we were indoors alone and frustrated and developing a ton of PTSD. Um, but at the year before in 2019, uh, we went camping when that was the thing we were able to do. And uh, we went camping outdoors and it was like 103 degrees here in Sacramento. And we were devastated. It was hot and everywhere was sticky. And we go, first of all, camping with four children, unadvisable. Um, you do what you want to do, but it took us 10 days to camp for two nights, if that makes any sense to you. <laughs> 10 days of preparation, two nights of peace, uh, kind of if you could call it that. And we go up to this place called French Meadows. Has anybody ever been to French Meadows? It's up past Forest Hill, a ways. Just when you think you're there, just keep driving another hour and you're still not there. It's far. But what we noticed is after we picked up the last bit of supplies in Auburn at my parents' house, the last bit of camping equipment, uh, what we noticed is about every 20 minutes, the temperature dropped about five degrees. And it was like, oh, this is nice. And by the time we got up to French Meadows, it was like a brisk, like, 72. And it was in the middle of summer, and we just thought, just two hours ago, we were devastated. And it was, it was nice. I mean, we set up the camp, uh, you know, and then three days later when the camp was set up, we packed it up, and we got up there, and the, the water was cool, and there was, the, the air was there, and it was, it was, it was shady, and it was nice, not shady in the bat, like, oh, this is shady, but it was like, they was shaded. And it was just nice. It was wonderful. But it was temporal. We got, it was tranquil. It was peace. How many of you go to the beach in the middle of the summer? Isn't it amazing how you get down to like Stinson Beach from Sacramento? And you're like, how are we only an hour and a half from that hell of heat? Like, how are we just an hour and a half away? It's so nice here, that nice marine layer. But it's temporal, isn't it? It's tranquil. It's peaceful. Vacations, they're temporal. It's a temporal peace. The peace that Jesus offers is not temporal and it's not external. It's eternal and internal. It's eternal and internal. And so the kind of Holy Spirit relationship that he's inviting you and me to have, that he's saying this is the kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit 
that is available to every believer is the kind of relationship that no matter what the circumstance, no matter what you're in, it's both eternal, it lasts forever, and it's, it's internal. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You can experience that peace. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. And I'm telling you, if you've walked through a valley of the shadow of death, if you've walked through hard circumstance, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That there is a peace that comes from the Holy Spirit on the inside, the law written on the inside, on the inside of your heart and on the inside of your mind that you can't make up with your willpower, that you can't contrive with just your own human effort. It's a peace that passes all understanding. This is the kind of peace that Jesus was saying is available through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the second thing that we can pray is that Holy Spirit revealed truth to me. I need the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. This was a big deal to Jesus. Look at John 14, 26. He said, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he is going to teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, he's going to teach you and remind you. How many of you know that your memory is garbage when it comes to the things of God? I mean, you might have a great memory on every other thing. You might know the periodic table, which I was homeschooled, so I don't. Um, I'm just saying that's not every homeschooler's experience. That's not every homeschooler's experience, but that was mine, all right? Parents, you need to decide if you are right, if you're the right kind of homeschool parent, all right? My wife is the right kind of homeschool parent. I am not, which is why she does the homeschooling, and I do not. I also, okay, there's, there's so many things that I can't do that I don't want to bother you with them or, you know, change your perspective. I don't, I don't do cursive. Like, I don't read it. I don't write it. I know, that's bad. Go ahead, judge. Judge now. And then go to the Father and receive the forgiveness that he's available to him. And then watch your mouth, you know? Like, don't bring it up again, all right? I just don't do cursive. I missed that. Third to, I don't know, ninth grade. It was just, it wasn't there. It wasn't a part of the curriculum. All right. The counselor, the Holy Spirit from the Father, will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything. We have great memories when it comes to all kinds of things in our lives. But when it comes to what God has done, how many of you know there is an enemy that wars against our memory? There is an enemy that wants to get whatever thought we thought God did in our life. There is an enemy that will diminish God's activity in your life to is a fog. It's just a fog. It's so distant. It's so unpotent, it's not potent anymore. And, and I'm telling you, that's the enemy of your soul because the Holy Spirit, he wants to remind you of the things that God does because he's your counselor and he's your teacher. Listen, I want to say this, this is kind of like the side message. I literally, um, I even put on my notes like side message, beware, uh, all right? Because this is, I could go for a while here like I did at the 9 a.m. service. Uh, they liked it, so that was good, um, but I'll try to hold it back so we can get to the last two points. The world is full of teachers. Listen, everyone wants to teach you something, and everyone has an agenda. If that isn't more true than our world, then I don't know what is. Everyone has an agenda. The world is full of teachers. Everyone is le- listening, looking to teach you something and convey their agenda to you. Can I say this? Even the Holy Spirit has an agenda. He wants to make you look more like Jesus. So that's an agenda that you can get on board on. When he's your teacher, he wants to make you look more like Jesus. That's a great agenda. Beware of the teachers you choose. Beware of the teachers you choose. Listen, um, I was a young youth pastor in my 20s, and there was a, I was in charge of a 6th, 7th, and 8th grade junior high group, and I found over time, because I listened to a ton of preachers, 
like way too many preachers, way too many sermons. And as I listened to sermons, I did it for two reasons. One, because I had no idea what to preach on. No clue. Not at all. I had no idea what to preach on, and I had no idea who I was. So I was looking for both those things, like what do I say and who am I? And so I listened to a ton of preachers, and I found that these poor 6th, 7th, 8th graders, I wish I could go back in time and just apologize because I became an angry preacher. I did. I became an angry preacher. And there's 6th, 7th, and 8th graders there on the front row. And, you know, they're just there to, you know, hear from Jesus. You know, God bless their heart. They got their little student Bible and, you know, all these different things going on. And I'm just saying, you know what? God needs more from you. I'm just angry. And I noticed that I was an angry preacher. And I realized it's because I'm listening to angry preachers that somehow there was a transference happening that I was picking up, not just on the content. That'd been great. If I could just hear the content and walk away with the content, that'd be great. But I was picking up on the attitude. Listen, be careful who you're learning from. Be careful. I mean, some of you might make that decision today. Like, we need to get over it. I don't know what. I, I'm preaching this, you know, tug in cheek a little bit, a little bit. Don't make big decisions without talking to me first. All right. Um, saying, just saying. Be careful who you set up as your teacher. Because here's the thing. You're not going to be able to distinguish the content from who they are, and it's going to leak. Their character is going to leak out on you. It will. The more you invest, the more you pour over that stuff, the more you allow that stuff into your mind. And listen, we live in a day and age, we live in a day and age where there is more access to content in any direction than I can safely say this ever before in human history. There has never been a time in human history where the access to differing voices is more accessible than it is for you and I today. And we need to remember, we have a Holy Spirit who is trying to do what? He's trying to write something on our heart and on our mind. And I just say it this way. There's only so many pieces of paper on the pad, right? He's trying to write something on your mind and on your heart, and he's got a certain number of pages to work with. And when that folio's filled, you're going to be who you're going to be. And so you got to be careful. Like, I, you know, I was going to say I love agnostics, but I do. I actually do. I was going to say that. I was like, I shouldn't say that. No, I love agnostics. I love agnostics. I love atheists. Those both are both true statements. But here's what an agnostic will admit to who doesn't believe if there, doesn't know if there is a God or if there's not a God. The thing that they do in their mind that they'll admit to, which I appreciate, is they say, listen, the, the greatest human on the planet only has maybe... 5% of all the knowledge that's available on the planet. I mean, that'd be a big figure. The greatest, the most intellectual, the most brainiac person only really carries maybe 5% of all knowledge available. And so an agnostic will say within the 95%, let's say that person has that 5%. Within the 95% of knowledge that I don't have, an agnostic will say, I'm going to leave room for the possibility of God. That's a, that's a logical argument. I can, I can respect that position. That in the 95% of the knowledge that I don't have, where an atheist says, I know there's not a God, and they're basically at the same time saying, I have 100% of all knowledge that's available, which I find a, a, a harder to believe argument. But within the 95% of knowledge that I don't have, I'm going to assume that maybe God exists within that knowledge. So you and I as a believer we're only able to retain a certain percentage of knowledge that is available in our world. And what happens so often for good, well-meaning, loving Jesus believers is 
we become a jack of all trades and all things and all knowledge and not a master of any. And that's very dangerous, slippery slope. Because there's a Holy Spirit, again, that's trying to write his law in your heart, trying to write his law in your mind, and there's only so so much bandwidth in any one of us. Even the smartest person in the room only has so much capacity, and if you're dabbling, 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 dabbling in philosophies, in YouTube philosophers, in podcast philosophers, if you're dabbling all over the place in all these different arenas, all these different schools of thought, all these different things that you could give yourself to, I'm telling you, you're taking bandwidth away from what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And so many believers walk around confused, just as confused as a non-believer. Because I want to tell you something that's going to make me sound maybe, maybe bad, but you need to be a little bit more narrow-minded. You do. You need to be a little bit more narrow-minded as a believer. I'm like, oh man, that, you can't say that. Well, I did. And I'm not even going to explain it. No, just kidding. Uh, You need to be a little bit more narrow-minded. You need to be a little bit more focused and dialed in on what does God say. Because I'll tell you what, we love, I don't even know how to describe it. There will probably be a word for it when we study back our culture 50 years from now. But we love the new thing, don't we? We love the pop psychology. We love the new nuanced, oh, the way that that person said this and it's never been said before like that. And have you ever read that verse before in that way? And we love the new thing that's brought to the table. And we become consumers of YouTube philosophers and popular books. And I got to tell you, it's not the gospel. I want to tell you, the Enneagram is very helpful. Maybe you've heard of it. The Enneagram can be very helpful for people in pursuing what their style is to hear from God. But you need to remember, the Enneagram is not the gospel. If you have not memorized John 3.16, put down the Enneagram. You don't know the gospel yet. Put it down, right? Memorize, get the truth so in you, get so narrow on who God is and what he has for your life that then when you go and you play, when you, you can actually pull the nugget and spit out the bones. You eat the meat, not the, that's, Nugget, chicken nugget. You can pull the good thing. That, that actually worked. Yeah, that worked. Okay, I was thinking of nugget of gold, and then I was like, bones? Bones and nuggets? That doesn't make any sense at all. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. That was what I was supposed to say. I'll get it better at the next service. Oh, there's that one. All right. Listen, the Enneagram is not the gospel. Clifton Strengths Finders, wonderful resources. I'm like a, I don't know, I, you know, I'm, I'm something. Um, you find your temperament, you know, beaver, otter, you know, Alexander, like what, you know, all these different things or sanguine, choleric, all of these things. Listen, all of that, all of it under the gospel, under the gospel, under the gospel. And I will tell you, I would say this, and I'm going to put myself in this category. I say, I think 90% of believers, I know this is my own study, just okay, something I did on my free time. 90% of believers do not have the foundational bandwidth to then go out to extracurricular and pull the nuggets. Because they, they read this, it's like, oh, I'm incompatible. I need to, I need to leave my spouse. We're not compatible because this, this blog, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I married the wrong person. Listen, you're never going to date your soulmate. You're never going to date your soulmate. You're going to marry your soulmate, but you're never going to date her. You're never going to date him. You're going to marry them. They become their soulmate the day you marry them. Stop wondering if they are your soulmate when you're dating 
realize that the day you give your heart to them in the ceremony and the covenant of marriage, that's your soulmate. So you might be sitting next to your spouse right now and you're wondering, I don't know if I married my soulmate. Guess what? You did. You did. Narrow that mind, sucker. You did. Get narrow again. Listen, how many of you know narrow-minded? You know, if your marriage will not work unless you're narrow-minded, you got to get real focused. You know what I mean? You got to say, I love my wife. My wife is the most beautiful wife on the world, in the world, on the world, in the world. My my wife is amazing. Every time something comes, you know, when you're scrolling through Instagram and Facebook, guess what? You better be narrow-minded. You better be narrow-minded because there's a lot of stuff seeking to distract you. When you're looking, you know, I, I put down here, I just wrote down the guy's name because I want to I say this because I know there's a lot of young men that I talk to and this guy is very insightful. He's got a lot of interesting things to say. I'm, I will 100% not recommend him. He, he's a horrific profanity, but he has a podcast, the Joe Rogan podcast. And listen, for a believer to play in the space of Joe Rogan philosophy, you need to ask yourself, do I want to serve God like Joe Rogan doesn't? Because he doesn't. Do I want to serve? Because if I give myself, I know young men who, who listen to that every single day, five days a week, and also love Jesus. And I will just tell you this, one of them's going to give. You're going, somebody's going to write, somebody's going to take up the pages in your mind and in your heart. Somebody's going to take those pages up and you got to ask yourself, who's going to take up the pages? Because there's, there's only a little bit. You can't retain all of it and then make great decisions. And I would say 90% of us do not have the foundation enough with the things of God to be able to listen to endless content from secular sources and be able to pull out the nuggets. I think we need to get narrow again. That's the sermon within the sermon. All right. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. Nothing is all, in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Listen, when we open ourselves up to the word of God, the Holy Spirit wants to partner with that study to rightly divide how we live our lives. Listen, the third thing that Jesus says that we're to pray for the Holy Spirit or to ask the Holy Spirit to empower us is this simple prayer. In fact, all of these five things can be turned into a prayer. Write them down um, or go back to YouTube and listen to them. Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, use me. Look at John 15, 26. It says this, when the counselor, again, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit is testifying about God to you and I as believers, that he wants to remind us of who God is and what God has done in our lives. Look at Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit alive on the inside is there to provide continuous testimony of God's goodness and to empower me to be a witness in my world. We used to um, take a ton of kids up to Camp Cedar Crest. It was a youth camp up in the San Bernardino Mountains. And we take five buses, literally five buses of junior hires. And two weeks later, five buses of high schoolers. And the goal was like to... You know, we just wanted them to have this Holy Spirit encounter. 
right? Which is a great goal. It's a great goal to have. This Holy Spirit encounter up at the front. And, you know, really the, the I've said this before, but every youth pastor's goal is really just tears, right? If I can get you to cry, then I know that he's doing something. Like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's happening, but something good is happening. And so we, we would pray for this encounter, and that encounter would happen. It was, it was awesome. It was wonderful. And there was always arguments about, well, how do we know if they were filled with the Holy Spirit? And when does that happen? And what, what signs should we be looking for? And I'm going to tell you, if you boil down the Holy Spirit to anything in the book of Acts, you're going to find power at the end of the day. You're going to find power to be a witness, that no matter what gift accompanies it, you're going to find a something changes when, when Peter went from timid to powerful, when he went from zero to hero, when he went from denier to faith-filled and led 3,000 people in the prayer to give their hearts to Jesus, and it was the first Sunday morning of the church. When that happened for a man who had not been that way before, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a transformation that happens. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to make an impact in your world. So that can be a prayer. Holy Spirit, use me. Maybe that's a prayer you pray this week. Holy Spirit, as we, as we lead up to this, this Pentecost Sunday, God, make it fresh again. Listen, maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, or maybe you would say to yourself, yeah, I've, ne- you know, I've, I've heard of that, and I had some experiences, but it's not nearly as fresh as it needs to be. Now, how many of you know we could all probably say that? It's not nearly as fresh as it needs to be, that, in, that empowerment, that strength, that something beyond my own willpower. Worship team, you can come forward. I'm going to do the next two. The fourth one is this, is that Holy Spirit convict me. That can be a prayer. Holy Spirit convict me. Again, Jesus' words, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. You know, I did my own definition for conviction. Conviction, this is my definition, that thing that happens on the inside of me that reminds me of my need for a savior or my gratitude for the savior that I have received. See, conviction happens, some of us can feel like we're doing really well, but conviction happens when we just like, man, I'm not who I'm not who I want to be. I, I messed up. I I I sinned. I want to be different. I know God has more for me. That's all part of the conviction process. And it's not our job to do that to others, right? That's one of the worst things you could do is just be the convictor of the people around you because they will, you you won't have people around you. That's why just just look around. They won't be around you. You'll have no one because you're trying to convict everyone. All right? And we all know that person. Oversaved. All right. Psalm 139 says this, 23 for 24. Search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. You know your lifestyle can offend God. That's hard to say for us New Testament grace-filled believers. We're people of grace. We're people of forgiveness. But my lifestyle can offend the Lord. Listen, it doesn't mean that my address changes. It doesn't mean that I'm not his child. It doesn't mean that I'm not saved. But how do you know? The relational dynamic changes when I'm living a lifestyle that offends the Lord. I, I feel like I'm on the inside, I'm on the outside looking in. I, I see what other people have in their relationship with God. It's like, I don't know. It's like, well, let's, let's look at the lifestyle. Look at the psalmist. He says, search me. Is there anything in me, God, that offends you? And that's a scary prayer to pray. Pray that tonight. <laughs> Do it scared, right? Do it scared. Pray that scary prayer. Is there anything that offends you? Because I'll tell you what, if you're doing good with Jesus and you pray that prayer, more often than not, he'll show you something that, that's a blind spot that you did not see before. And it'll, it'll, it'll surprise you. Fifth thing is this that we can pray is, Holy Spirit, guide me. 
Look at John 16, verse 13. This is Jesus again. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, this is one of the things that Jesus says the Holy Spirit's going to do, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. And I love the way that Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 30, verse 21. This is what a, this is what a close relationship with the Holy Spirit that's available to us can look like. It's what it can look like. It's what I think as the people of God, we should say, I want that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want that kind of relationship. Let's read it together. Let's, let's look at it. I said read it together, but that, no, I'll read it. You look at it, all right? Isaiah 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Man, I'll tell you what, when we're driving somewhere, I don't like that voice. But when I'm up again, because I hear it. <laughs> I was a joke, but you had to read, you had to read between the lines, all right? I hear that voice, but I don't like it. When I'm up against a decision and I don't know what to decide, when I'm in turmoil, when I'm at the depths of despair, when I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, when I'm experiencing pressure, I'm looking for that voice. Man, if only I had a guide on the journey of life. If only I had a teacher, if only I had an instructor, if only I had a comforter, if only I had someone who would show me the truth, who would help me rightly divide which way I should go and how I should walk. That's what the, that's what the author sees. He sees a, a Holy Spirit on the inside whispering to you, hey, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Do this. Don't do that. Let's stand on our feet, all right? I want to pray for us.